You are listening to the Body Charge Podcast, and I'm your host, Sandy Sanderson. Today, we'll be talking to Trisha Nelson about how to treat emotional eating disorders. Trisha Nelson is an internationally acclaimed author, transformational speaker, and emotional eating expert. She lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating and has spent over 30 years researching the hidden causes of the addictive personality. Trisha is the host of the popular podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show, and is a highly regarded speaker. Trisha has been featured on NBC, CBS, KTLA, Fox, and Discovery Health. Her new book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now is available on Amazon and her website is healyourhunger.com. I'm thrilled to welcome Trisha to the Body Charge podcast. Thanks for coming on board, Trisha. Uh, I think we all have been guilty at some time or other of sneaking to the fridge and eating a high carb snack, even though we're not really hungry, but needing some kind of emotional comfort. Emotions can be painful sometimes, especially when dealing with rejection, loneliness, guilt, or feelings of unworthiness, and sweets can be a temporary panacea for this kind of bitterness. Trisha, I believe you have uncovered something much deeper in the human psyche where some people can actually develop an addiction to sweet treats in a repetitive emotional healing cycle that seems impossible to shake. It sounds like a kind of a depression. Is it something to do with maybe dopamine or serotonin balance in the brain can you describe your in your own experience how you identified the problem and turned it around absolutely thanks for having me on the show um you know i was an emotional eater from the get-go so it was definitely a problem for me and i was 50 pounds overweight by age 20 on account of it because i definitely used food to soothe myself because i didn't you know i had pretty erratic emotions and uh, I didn't have proper tools to deal with my emotions. So I would stuff them. And that's what emotional eating is, is using food to stuff or anesthetize your emotions. And so I did this for a long time. And so on account of being an emotional eater, any diet I tried failed. No matter what I tried, I always ended up putting the weight back on. And that's true for a lot of people who diet. And I really believe it's because we don't have the tools necessary to deal with our emotions when we take the food out of the picture or or, or, our go-to foods. So that was my experience. And Definitely, you know, we're drawn to carby foods, you know, high carb foods, because it does give us that dopamine hit. It does give us that serotonin effect. It is comforting um, and it is addictive. Sugar is addictive. So there's a physical aspect as well. But my experience is, you know, we need it on an emotional level. And until we address what those emotions are and learn healthier ways of coping with those emotions, we'll always be drawn back to the food. So it sounds a bit like some kind of wrestle between genes and environment. So is it possible that certain people have a predisposition genetically and then certain environmental stresses maybe come into play, some you know, emotional upsets, obviously, but also what about nutritional deficiencies or metabolic syndrome, hormone, thyroid disorders? Can these possibly affect our propensity to move into that phase? Um, they can affect our propensity to move into that phase, but they're also 
an effect of having been an emotional eater as well. So when we are eating, you know, emotional eaters typically are drawn to, you know, super high fat, high carb, high sugar foods. At least that was true for me. I didn't, I rarely binged on salads, <laughs> you know, and, and I believe it's because they do calm us, you know, they calm anxiety, but they also bury emotions where we don't feel anything. You know, when you're full, you don't feel much, you know, in terms of your emotional self. Um, there, there is genetics involved. I, my parents both gained weight very easily. So I had the genes to put on weight very easily. Um, but it is nature nurture. So also my environment was such that we didn't, you know, as, as a family, we didn't have healthy coping tools. We either ate or we used, um, you know, escape in books or TV or sarcasm. You know, there was some, there's never like a direct way of dealing with emotions. So we we're always, you know, uh, circumventing our emotions in some unhealthy way. So it's both, you know, it's definitely both. It's definitely a learned condition as well. But if you have the genes where you gain weight easily, you have a slow metabolism, these cards are stacked against you. You yeah. know, there's no question about it. It becomes a bit like a revolving door and it's hard for people on their own to get out. It's a little bit like a trap, is it? So, so Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of fascinated because you mentioned before about, you know, you, you fill up and then you temporarily don't feel the pain of that emotional issue yeah but then then usually guilt follows because you think oh, I shouldn't have done that right and then you start to beat up on yourself yeah and what way what get better out of way the to, trap well what better way to beat up on yourself than to feed yourself some more and feel crappier <laughs> so so that's definitely the um the roller coaster ride and you know my experience is we have to take a step back you know, and just see that dieting isn't going to be the solution because if you just take food away from, from an emotional eater, you've basically taken away the number one coping tool for how we deal with stress, how we deal with all kinds of negative emotions. And if we don't have the food, we'd better have something else in its place as a coping tool, but diets don't give you those coping tools. No. So ultimately we go back to the food. So you have to have healthier coping tools, coping tools for dealing with stress, uh, tools for dealing with uncomfortable emotions, support, like a, a proper support structure. These are all super important in order to help people really address and heal the problem. And, and stress is a very big issue today. People, um, you know, because, uh, we we deal with um, people having high stress levels all the time with magnesium. Uh, mm -hmm. Magnesium is a great tool. Transdermal magnesium with electromagnesium is uh, very easy to rub in and you feel very calm and relaxed afterwards. So uh, we get a lot of people who are having these kind of issues and finding it sometimes gives them a way out of that trap door. But then, you know, you've got all the psychological issues as well. So you can put people on the right eating plan, um, you know, and it may vary from person to person. Some people perform well on Mediterranean paleo. Other people need something else. Other people like to do fasting um, or periodic fasting uh, to do some cleansing. So there are many different methods and protocols. And I guess you maybe need to in tailor make things to an individual needs. Um, but at the end of the day, we've got to have a holistic approach. And so what you do fascinates me because you've, you've come to this holistic um, therapy in a way or a protocol where you're dealing with the mind, 
with the body, with the whole package. Uh, so Absolutely. How, how, how do you break people out of this cycle? How do you diagnose and how do you get them off that treadmill? Yeah, well, I often say it's really a living problem, not an eating problem. You know, and what I mean by that is we have to change how we live. You know, eating is, you know, overweight is a symptom of overeating and overeating is a symptom of what's eating me. And so what I do is in my holistic approach is really help people start their day where they're lessening their stress, they're getting grounded and centered, and they're processing their emotions from, from the get-go. And so that looks like, you know, some kind of morning routine, like meditation, prayer, reading spiritual literature, going for a walk in nature, something that can help you get you know, down to like a more grounded place where you're not just ricocheting off of the different stressors in your day or the needs of other people, you know, overeaters tend to be overdoers. And that's part of the problem. Like we do a lot. We, we really pack our schedule too much to where we don't have a moment to breathe. And so that stress leads to stress eating, but you can't just take away the food on a diet and, and not change the stress level. You have to stop, you know, doing everything and trying to be all things to all people. And this is where, you know, I call it the anatomy of the emotional eater, like emotional eaters have a certain personality profile, yeah. 20, 24 personality traits. Some of, one of them is overdoing. Another one is people pleasing. You know, another one is having a racing mind where you're constantly thinking and overthinking everything. These are things that need to be addressed because this is what comes up when we're not eating is our minds are super busy and they won't shut up, you know, and we're doing too much. And then we're trying to please people. And if you haven't noticed, nobody's ever as pleased as we think they're going to be. So then we're resentful, which is another one of the traits, you know, and, and these, all these things and the way we're living and setting up our life will drive us to the food. It will create the cravings. Yeah. I found, I find a lot of women tend to fall into that trap more than men, generally speaking, Yeah, because you've got your family to look after. You've got the kids, you've got, you know, husband and yeah. you've got lots of things happening in your life where you've got to hold it all together. And I think women take on way too much responsibility and they feel it's up to them. And then it becomes, it can become a bit of a control issue. Then they're not doing this and they're not doing that. And then you take on board other people's karma when we're not supposed to, we're really meant to be responsible for ourselves. And I think this is a great awakening or greater awareness where people need to realize, well, you know, I, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink and you can't save your kids from making mistakes. You know, they'll make them. You can be there to pick up the pieces and to give them moral support, but you can't save them from the learning curve. And I think a lot of people try and be so perfect that no one in the family can, you know, make mistakes or is allowed to do this. And so we, we make our bed and have to lay in it. You know, it's really we're creating a lot of this stuff ourselves. But by, by learning to look at it and notice it and realize it, this is a wonderful awakening where we can start to detach a little bit and, and you know, be, be more of a teacher of others, but allowing them to experience their own stuff and not taking it on board as though it's yours. I think absolutely no question about it. And I love that you just said we, we, we tend to create some of this stuff ourselves because that's true. And the upside of that is that means we can create something different. You know, if we're just victims of 
cravings for chocolate, you know, which, which I don't believe we are. I think a lot of those cravings are self-created when we're overdoing, packing our schedules, not giving ourselves downtime, you know, and all we have to do is make tweaks in our schedule. All we have to do is start putting ourselves first. And it is hard for women to do, you know, we tend to want to be all things to all people and have pressure on ourselves. And you mentioned the word perfection also, and that's a, a trait that, that gets us, you know, trapped in this cycle as well. But the good news is these are all things we can change. Instead of trying to like beat our bodies up with some unrealistic diet, let's make changes in the way we're living. Let's start living different. Let's ease up on ourselves. You know, yes. done, done is better than perfect. You know, might need some self-love. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and it has, it has a direct impact on what we eat and how much we eat. Yes, I'm telling people all the time, you know, enjoy that luxurious magnesium bath, lather your skin, look after yourself, take a trip to the beautician, you know, you do something for yourself that makes you, makes you feel nurtured and loved because we're always doing, as you said, for other people. And people sometimes don't think about, well, some of that has to come back. It has to go full circle. We, we need to give and receive love. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what it boils down to, really, uh, just awareness on all members of the family. You know, it's hard living in a group situation. The people have their idiosyncrasies, they have their own ideas, they want it this way. Sometimes, like herding a bunch of cats, they're all going in different directions. It ain't easy. But at the yes. end of the day, if we look after ourselves, we can cope better. And, you know, if people have too much stress, they lose too much magnesium. The lower the magnesium levels get, the more sensitive we get to stress. Then any little thing can set us off and we get blubbery and feeling very vulnerable and fragile. And, um, and we, you get energy fatigue um, because magnesium directly affects metabolism. So, so we can start to nurture ourselves nutritionally. We can look, look at mind and, as you said, meditation, Tai Chi, you know, pick something that you like to do, walk in the park, go fishing, I don't know, well, you know, whatever you like. It's, <laughs> it's, about, it's about finding your fun again because people forget fun is really important. It's, it's, it's an important vitamin, like your sleep vitamins, your sleep vitamins, yeah. your fun vitamins. Um, and we need to bring that back into life. And I think the idea of creating your own little bubble, forget about what's happening in the world out there. I mean, it's important to understand and know, but don't take it on board as your responsibility. If you look after yourself and your close family and your loved ones, your inner circle, and everyone did that same thing, then the world would be a much better place. So we always have to start with square one, don't we? Yeah. And I will also say that for those who struggle with emotional eating, there's a lot of shame around it and people beat themselves up for not being able to, you know, pull themselves together and have control around food. And I just want to say, this is an addictive habit, you know, so, so be easy on yourself. And it's probably not one you're going to be able to overcome on your own. So being in community with other emotional eaters who are healing is really important, especially so that you get reminders to stop beating yourself up, to stop doing too much, to start putting self-care into your day. Cause you know, studies show that we are a lot more effective in healing when we do so in community, in a group setting. So that's with, really important as well. With people that understand from a yes. 
experience that's so important because then you feel more comfortable talking about your issues so exactly so how do people connect with you or find out more about what you do yeah. So my website is healyourhunger.com. That's H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And uh, I have a podcast called the Heal Your Hunger Show that anybody can tap into. Um, and I, on my website, you can also locate my book, which is called Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. And it's also, it's on Amazon and it's on Audible as well. So people can listen to it. It's like a five-hour quote read, but it's really a five-hour listen. <laughs> Nice. It doesn't sound too hard. (laughs) No. And there's also on my website, I'll just say at healyourhunger.com, there's a quiz, which will help you determine if you're an emotional eater. So if somebody's like, hmm, I wonder if that's me, you can find out if you're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between by taking a free quiz on my homepage of the website, healyourhunger.com. And that'll really help you know where you are on the spectrum. Cause I think we're all on the spectrum to some degree, but where you are on the spectrum and then what steps you need to take to heal. Wonderful, wonderful advice. And thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Um, thanks for coming on board and being on our podcast. And, it's uh, such my pleasure. And thanks for doing what you do. I love your products. They're completely awesome. Nice. Well, we all do our best in our own way, don't we? That's, that's, that's right. what it's all about. That's right. Lovely to chat to you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye. The goal of the Body Charge podcast is to bring you empowering healthy lifestyle tips and information about how magnesium can help to alleviate stress and deficiency symptoms. More than ever before, we all need to be mindful of how to strengthen, support and defend our body and mind for a more rewarding and joyful life. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share with others. If you wish to be notified of new Body Charge podcasts, you can subscribe at wherever you get your podcasts. To be notified of new blogs and product special offers, please subscribe to our newsletters at electromagnesium.com.au.